0: Good morning, everyone. Guys, so good to see you. Thank you for joining. I'm so excited about today's service. I get to talk to you about this prophet called Isaiah. We get to come and examine ourselves in the presence of God. We get to worship. We get to commune today. And can I just say, oh my gosh, this first wave thing is coming together back there. If you have not like snuck behind the curtain yet today to go like kind of, you know, mill around back there, do it. After the service today, we'd love to give you tours. For me, I got to kind of like see drywall, before I can visualize things and just seeing what's coming together back there and going like, maybe by Easter, don't quote me, okay, but maybe by Easter that might actually be functional. Oh my gosh, I mean, it's incredible and just good things. Are happening. By the way, my name is David Godini. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the pastor here at Fellowship of Faith, and, and we just want to welcome you and hope that you get to engage with God in some new, fresh, incredible way, because I'll tell you this, God's spirit is a, God's, is a spirit that does something new. God is doing things new in us, in our hearts, in this world, and he asks us to partner with him in that, and that's what we're talking about about today. I want to talk to you about how God works. We know God works. We believe God works. We trust God works. But I think oftentimes we're left wondering, how? How does God work? You ever wonder that? Isaiah says that God works through this this person or this thing that he calls the servant, the servant of God, a servant who acts on God's behalf. And we want you to know about this servant. Because when you know about this servant, you know how God works. You see a glimpse into the mind of God and how he's operating in, the, in, in, in this world and in our field and, and through Lent, what we're taking you through is something that, that Old Testament scholars and people like that have called the servant songs. Because what you'll find in the prophet Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, are five poems often called songs, five songs, five servant songs five songs about this servant, through whom God chooses to work, and how God acts. And each of these poems gives us a a slightly different glimpse into the nature and character of God and the way he works in the world. Last week, we saw how God is seeking to bring justice to this world, through the servant, but doing it in a way that does not, and I love Isaiah's language, do you remember this? That does not break reeds or snuff out wicks. Do you know how fragile a reed is? Have you ever been working in your yard and, it, and you have like maybe bulrushes or tall weeds or let's, reeds growing? I mean, just with the slightest of pressure, you know, you step the wrong way. Your lawnmower kind of goes off path and cut, snipped. Have you ever had a candle that flickers? It's there like right on the edge, and you know any just little of breath, any change in the air circulation in your home, that thing is out, right? Isaiah says the servant will come to bring justice on the earth, but will do so in such a way that will not break reeds or snuff out smoldering wicks. Today, though, we come to Isaiah 49. And as always, I really encourage you to follow along with me. We'll show you some of these on the screen as we go. But it's good to have it there before your eyes. If you have a Bible, great. Take it out. If you're at home, grab one off the shelf. If you have a phone, you have 700 Bibles easily within your hand. All right? Download the Uversion app so you have it easily always with you. Um, go to BibleGateway.com if you're like app-phobic and you think I'm setting you up with some like marketing scheme or something like that. All right? Go to either one and go with me to Isaiah chapter 49. I'm going to read this to you, but what I'd like you to do is follow along and keep it before your eyes so that you can continue to kind of look back, reference, engage with it as we go. All right? So here's what it says. Isaiah begins. Listen to me. Which is like the best way for any Bible passage to begin. Because let's face it, do you ever read the Bible and you're kind of like this? You start at like verse 3. You move to verse 4. And by verse 5, your mind is on like 18 other things. And it's like God is going, listen to me, right? Because we don't. And it's easy. And he gets it. But he's like, don't miss this. Listen to me. Listen to me, you islands. You go, I'm not an island. No man is an island. You're an island, all right? Listen to me. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. He's not just talking to his people. He's not just talking to Israel. No, he's talking to the people far away. He's talking to people who don't know him. He's talking to those of you gathered here today who might not consider yourself Christian, who don't know what you think about this God thing, who haven't made up your mind about Jesus. You know what? God has something to say to you too. Listen to me. He says, before I was born, Yahweh called me. From my birth, he made mention of my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. Now we're going to verse 3. Has your mind already strayed? Let's go back to verse 1. Listen to me. (laughs) He said to me, you are my servant. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, and whom I will display my splendor. a sharpened sword. Who is the servant? A sharpened sword, or at least his mouth is. A sharpened sword, a polished arrow. A sword hidden in God's hand, an arrow concealed in the quiver. See, The story of the Bible is God operating in this world in a giant rescue operation. All right? God is looking to bring his rescue and redemption to this world. And it would seem from Isaiah that the servant is the trick up God's sleeve. This one hidden in the hand, this one concealed in the quiver, he's the one that you didn't see coming. It reminds me of this great story from Judges 3. By the way, when is, have you read the book, the Old Testament book of Judges, like recently? I, I want to speak to those of you who are between the age of 12 and 18 and are utterly bored with God and the Bible and actually even Jesus Because your whole life, Jesus has been pictured and portrayed to you as a 98-pound weakling that a strong breeze would blow over who loves nothing more than to hold lambs in his arm. I am not trying to denigrate the image of a kind and gentle Jesus because I assure you he is. But he's also one of strength, a sharpened sword, A concealed arrow, if you will. And if you become bored with with your idea of what the Bible is about, I'm just going to submit to you, you haven't read Judges in a long, long time time. I think of the story in Judges three when when we get this like, this hidden sword about this judge named Ehud. And of course I say judge and your mind immediately goes to like some, some dude in Britain like with the wig, you know, in the black robe or something like this. But you need to think of them more as like action heroes. All right, These are people raised up to be, to be saviors and conquerors and rescuers on behalf of Israel. Read the story in Judges 3 of Ehud slaying the fat king, Eglon, with the sword strapped to his thigh. And you'll start to get an image of what this means. I read a passage like this, and I can't but help think of Bard taking the final black arrow and, and, and slaying Smaug with that one final last shot. If you don't know the reference, repent. I can't think of helping of every single video game I've ever played since 1985 when you finally hit the power up and something explodes on the scene that was unexpected and that comes in to save the day. Isaiah talks about this servant, this way that God is working, this way that God will work, something hidden in his hand, concealed in his quiver, something effective to work and to penetrate that is going to do his his work. This is the image that Isaiah starts to spell out for us. And this secret weapon of God, this servant secret weapon of God is who? Israel. Did you have a moment of pause in that? Well, it must be Jesus. Because since I was two, the answer to any church question is Jesus. Look at the last line. Who is God's servant? You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. You are the trick up my sleeve. You, Israel, are my secret weapon. You, Israel, are the one through whom I will work to work out my redemption, my rescue project, if you will, in this world. It says, you are my servant, Israel. It is God's big surprise. And the surprise is this. Israel is the least of these. Who would ever expect Israel. Now today, you might expect Israel because Israel is all that the, poli- that the national media seems to talk about, right? Israel gets such prominence today in part because of passages like these. But in Israel's day, who would think this backwater hill people would be God's secret weapon? This is not one of the great civilizations of old like Egypt or Babylon, Insignificant, weak, forgotten, unnoticed. The least of these, a people that could come or go, and the rest of the world wouldn't even care. And God says, you are my servant. And through you, I am working out my rescue of this World. I love how Deuteronomy 7 happens to put this. Look at this passage. Can I shut this off? Let's try it again. There it goes. Talking to Israel says, Yahweh your God has chosen you. Chosen you, Israel, out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. Not the Egyptians, not the Sumerians, not the Philistines, not the Ethiopians not the Chinese, not the Native Americans, not the Germanic barbarians, not the Anglos. No, Israel, you. He chose you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. He chose you to be his people, his segula, his treasured possession. Yahweh did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. No, because you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because God loved you and kept the oath he swore to Abraham. It's for those reasons that he chose you. No one would ever suspect Israel. And worse, at the time that Isaiah is writing this, now we have this issue at play where Israel is facing defeat and Israel is going to go into bondage. I mean, beyond being insignificant, now defeated, crushed, exiled, on the verge of extinction. If it was unbelievable before, now... How can this defeated, crushed, forgotten, abandoned people ever be the servant of God through whom God will do his work? And this should start showing something to you. You should start picking up on something in this that it is not through might or power, but through the work of God, often in our weakness. That God does his greatest work. Do you know this great passage out of 2 Corinthians? If not, you got to learn this. you got to memorize this. you got to sink it in your brain. You've got to get tattoos that go from here to here so you can look at it daily and not forget it, all right? Even those of you who are five and six. I think I skipped it here. Here we go. Give me 2 Corinthians. I don't know where it is. I'm flipping through this thing and you're seeing video previews, and you're seeing slides that are going to come to head, and you're like, oh my gosh, where is this going? Good places, I tell you. 2 Corinthians 12. Look what God says. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Look at this last line. I don't do this. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses. I have not delighted in a weakness one day in my life. Do you? But see, Paul came to see differently. He came to see how God really chooses to work in this world. And it's often not through our strength, but through our weakness, that he shines most clearly and gets the job done. So he says, that's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Israel had a hard time coming to terms with this. Just right before, give me that Isaiah 49, 4 slide, right before, look at what the servant says. I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Yet what is due me is in Yahweh's hand and my reward is with God. You ever feel that way? I've been busting my butt on this thing. And for what? I've been pouring myself in and it's like it's 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 like it's futile i have labored to no purpose here the servant of god we're here in exile we're in defeat we've labored to no purpose we've spent our strength in vain but let's say it again my grace is made sufficient in your weakness my power is made perfect in your weakness When I am weak, then I am strong. And now Yahweh says, go back. He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself. For I am honored in the eyes of Yahweh, and my God has been my strength. He says, Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those to Israel I have kept? I will also make you a light to the Gentiles, that you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. God is saying, you think you're weak, you think you're defeated, you think you haven't seen anything yet. Not only will I work my rescue through you to your own people, But to the ends of the earth, you will be my tool, my instrument. In your weakness, in exile, dispersed and scattered, you will carry my name to the ends of the earth. And in your weakness, your despair, your exile, God will work through you to bring his redemption to peoples unknown and corners unreached to the ends of the earth, because that's how God rolls. And did you catch it? Did you catch it? This is no surprise of God. This was God's plan all along. He who formed me in the womb to be his servant. From before I was born, God has been operating his plan in me and through me. This did not catch God by surprise. It is a surprise to everyone else, but not to God. This is not some plan B or plan C, because the first one or two have failed. No, it's through weakness that God chooses to work. And did you catch it? That not only is Israel the servant, but one who is within Israel. Is the servant because the servant Israel will bring Israel back, one almost, it seems, within Israel, who stands on behalf of Israel, from Israel, and of Israel, will be this servant that God will use to do his work. It is so easy to miss how God is working. It is so easy because we expect the stories of the Bible that we remember, the power, the miracles, the signs and the wonders, the plagues of Egypt, the great moves of deliverance, the the, the crazy stuff that goes, whoa, that, that give us glimpse of just how powerful God actually is that lead us to miss the small, the subtle, the weak, the frail, and the, the, dare I say, more common ways that God is carrying out his work. Do not underestimate the weakness through which God works. Now, you grabbed a sneak peek just a moment ago, and I know you've been waiting on the edge of your seats going, oh my gosh, what's he going to show me, Right? Right? Just, I can't wait. It is old, it is grainy, but I love it. And it makes me laugh to this day. Remember Men in Black? Those of you under the age of 25, go find a VHS at your local Goodwill and pop it in and watch it in all its original glory. Someday. There's a little clip that comes out of it that I want to show you that for me just kind of like embodies the secret weapon. It embodies like in weakness, strength. Let's hit the lights and then go ahead and roll it.
1: Kate! Okay. Give the kid a weapon.
0: Series four, de-atomizer. Well, that's what I'm talking about.
2: Noisy cricket. Hey, Okay, no, nah, no, nah, come on, man. You, you get a, a series four the atomizer, I, I get a little little midget cricket. I oh, yeah. feel like I'm gonna break this damn thing. Okay, get down. That's it. That's the bug in the episode.
0: Jesus is God's noisy cricket, an arrow polished and concealed, a sharpened sword hidden, one that no one expected. The Gentiles crucified him. The Jews rejected him. His own family thought he was nuts. And in weakness on a cross and shame and humility, God did his work, bringing rescue and redemption to the ends of the earth. Do not underestimate the power of God and weakness. And do not write off the lowly things. The weak things, the abhorred things, and the broken things in this world and in yourself, in God's ability to exercise his strength through it. Look at how Isaiah 49's servant song ends. In verse 7, it says this, This is what the Lord says. The Redeemer and Holy One of Israel. To him who is despised and abhorred by the nation, Israel and Jesus. To the servants of rulers, kings will see you and rise up. Princes will see and bow down because of Yahweh, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen Now, to Justin's delight and Tina's dismay, I'm going to share with you the lyrics of a song that we're about to sing. It comes from a song called Majestic, and it captures, I think, this idea that Isaiah is looking to bring. Let me, let me read some of these opening lines to you, and, and our texts are going to flash this on the screen. It says, Mothers come. Adore his name. Sisters, raise your hands in praise. Lift up your heads. Taste and see all he's done. Heaven and earth has come. Fathers shout the victors cry. Brothers feast upon his life. Joy has dawned. Death has been overthrown. Mercy is on the throne. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. In weakness, strength, our second insight, Isaiah's second picture of this servant through whom God works in this world. Let's rise and sing) <laughs>
1: Just raise your hands in praise, lift your hands, taste and see all.
0: You guys, you can have a seat. You know, this Lent season, we've really been emphasizing this idea of examining ourselves. And if you spend any time with us here at Fellowship of Faith, you know we regularly engage in something called faith training. It's the basic idea that um, God wants our spirit strong. Not because we have intrinsic strength in ourselves. But learning practices and disciplines to rely more and more on his strength and through that, the way he'll work. And this, this Lent, we've been doing um, a round of this based on examining yourselves. And I want to introduce you to someone today who's going to talk to you a little bit about it. His name's Mike McKay, great guy that's been coming here for, for several weeks now. And Mike, why don't you come on up? And uh, guys, why don't you just take a minute and uh, welcome Mike with me, would you? Hey, brother. Hello. Good to have you up here today. Yes. So, uh, Mike, uh, I'm not going to take for granted people here know you or have met you yet. Why don't you just give them the the 30-second bio here. Tell us who you are and uh, what brought you to FOF. Okay. Uh,
2: My name is Mike McKay, um, and I started coming here about, probably, what, eight weeks ago, something like that. Um, My friend Jesse, who I actually met um, just probably about five or six months ago, um, has become a really good friend of mine, but he's somebody that's been going here for a while. Um, and invited me to come to a service and yeah, everything just kind of stuck.
0: From there. That's cool, that's cool. And, and, and you got to share the story really quick, just how like you and Jesse met, because it's like, it, it's crazy, but it's awesome, you know? Yeah, so I was, um,
2: I was going to Planet Fitness, just going to the gym and working out, and, and Jesse had been there. We had, you know, seen each other, talked a couple times, um, just briefly. And then, uh, you know, one time he had come up and, and asked me to work out together with him. Um, and I did, he didn't know that I was I'm a personal trainer and so we were able to you know I was able to help him with that and then he um, I didn't know that he was a good very good you know Christian brother um, so in you know sharing faith and, and some different things um, that's kind of you know through all that that's kind of how God you know brought me here and
0: I mean, it's so awesome and kind of so wild that he just comes up and asks it. I mean, like, I guess the secret evangelism is go to the gym and, you know, just like <laughs> randomly ask people to work out and let on work, right? <laughs> you live in proof, right? It's, you know, it's been great having you here, and uh, Mike is engaged in what we're calling personalized fitness plans, spiritual fitness plans. You know, if you've been tracking with us on... Um, Enews at all, or uh, you know, following faith training in any way these past couple of weeks, you've seen attention brought to this. And if you've missed it, go to our faith training webpage. But you know, uh, Mike and I started talking, and um, I like to physically train, and he wants to spiritually train. So he's like what if you come and do personal training with me and then I come and do personal training with you and this kind of relationship started to develop out of it. And, and Mike, I would just like you to share with people today what this personalized spiritual fitness
2: plan is. Yeah, it's, um, well, for me it's, it's huge because I think in, um, you know, in everything, obviously in everything that we do, there's, um, you know, you want to have a, you have an end goal of something in mind that you want to achieve. Um, and so it's, it's that way with, you know, with working out and with, you know, physical things. You go into the gym and, and you have an, a goal of, of what you want the result to be. And so, you know, in life, and, and I, it, it's harder. It was, it's very difficult to, um, to understand what steps to take, you know, spiritually and, and with God. Um, and, and how to, you know, to perform those things without having somebody, you know, to kind of direct you and guide you. So there was a lot of things in my life that I'm like, man, you know, I have this, I have this picture of the person that I want to be, you know, and these things that I want to accomplish. And There's a lot of things that, you know, that I know that are holding me back. Um, and the only way that I'm going to be able to get there is with God's help. You know, but, but how, how exactly do I, you know, do, do I make the moves, you know, that, that I need to take to be able to do that? So this has been helping huge.
0: So really quickly, tell them maybe, just give, it, give them a little like, snippet, a, a snapshot of like the process of how the spiritual training developed or how, how the plan got built.
2: Yeah, so I, you and I, we, we got together and we sat down. You interrogated me roughly for, <laughs> <laughs> waterboarded me for about an hour. No, it was, uh, we... It's after, payback, man. Total <laughs> payback for the gym. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> after... One of the, So it was, it was a brief talk, and you just asked me a bunch of questions. But one of the, one of the things that, and, and I don't even think I really told you this, but after we had gotten together for the initial session, which lasted probably about an hour of you asking me some questions about my life, um, and you had, you had presented me with the spiritual fitness plan of, of, you had asked me, you know, what are some goals that you have? And you gave back the summary of my life, and when I read through it, and it was one of the first times where I'm like, man, you know, somebody, somebody that I talked to they have all these things that I want to accomplish in my life. And you understand what they are. And now here's the steps to be able to help you get those things. So I, I can't really explain the, the, the feeling that I had from, hmm. from seeing that on paper. Um, and so, you know, just some of the but, but, the, the steps to be able to consistently take some little things every day, you know, daily as far as, like, you know, how to get closer with God relationally and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: Yeah. so you've been doing it about three weeks now. Three weeks, maybe four weeks, right right in that pocket somewhere feels right. Yeah. Uh, give us the good, give us the bad, give us the ugly. How's it going, you know?
2: It's going... So I think that because the most difficult thing um, has been to um, forming... The habit. I'm. I'm one of those people, and I don't know if anybody else can relate. That like, you know, if something doesn't, um, if you don't feel like you're going all into something, it's it's hard to do something a little bit, you know, every day and feel like it's actually making a difference. Um, and so that was the way it was, you know, and, and still I'm kind of, you know, working through that with, with some things. So even, you know, like daily Bible reading and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, w- I would have times with, you know, with God that would be amazing, and I'd read through these passages, I'd get something very deep, but then there'd be times if I didn't feel that happening, it was almost like, man, you know, what's 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 wrong? Is there something wrong with me? Am I not getting... So one of the, one of the things, for example, that you've helped me with is, is to do, is actually to set a timer and to just do a little bit of daily reading. And then even if something doesn't happen and I don't have, you know, this amazing revelation at the end, that, that that's my that's my time with God and it's okay. But it's but it's been breaking that mindset that it's, um, that it's okay to do that, I guess, and, you know, kind of consistently and not have to, you know, have this max out, as we call yeah, it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, right. You don't have to max out every workout. It exhausts you. And the same's true with your devotional time and God. Right. Absolutely. So I know we're going to be doing this. Um, you know, this plan goes about, like, 3 to 4 months and then at that point you know we can reassess and how do you build on it um, you know you've touched on it before but maybe just one more time um like like what are you hoping to get out of this at the end of the the 3 months yeah you know um
2: yeah like I, like i said there's a lot of things um you know and i i found this over the you know the course of time there were a lot of things that that i you know goals and things that i want to do and that that i can't get there any other way but through God. You know, that God is going to be the only person to be able to do it, to work through my life, to be able to change me and, you know, to do those things. Um, No matter how much I work out, you know, or how much money I try and make and all that stuff is never going to create the character, you know, of person that I want to become. Um, And so being able to do this has been huge. And then also, um, you know, one of the things, and I I wanted to say this because I, I when I first started coming to the church, one of the huge things for me, because I, I have an eight-year-old daughter, um, and so when I when I first came, uh, it was a service where you had brought up your daughter. Oh yeah, right? Reagan was up here. Yeah, right. right. And you you talked to her and had an interview, and I saw the exchange that you had with her, and I saw that you know it was the relationship that you had with her and the you know the genuineness, and and you know looking at that as a, as a father with a little girl and seeing you know man if if somebody can you know, raise a daughter to, you know, to college age, to have that kind of, you know, that, that respect and that love, um, you know, and a daughter who loves and believes in God, and I thought, this 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 is where I want to, you know, where I want to be and somebody <laughs> I want to learn from, so. Very yeah. cool,
0: very cool. Um, you know, let's just wrap it up with one more thing, and, uh, you know, here today, we've got a number of people um, that are gathered watching us or, you know, here in person, and, uh, You know, uh, many of them aren't doing this plan, and um, maybe some are wondering about it, don't really know where to start, resonating with some of the things you said, wanting that, but not knowing how to, you know, what's that step? One word of encouragement to that person
2: sitting here today. What would it be? Yeah. Um, If I, I, I mean, just, I, Go in and go in and do it, and and sit down and uh and and have a conversation with. Dave. I, I was I was nervous after after we first got done talking, and I was thinking about all the things you know. Be, I mean, because we, we talked about you know good, bad, and some ugly stuff you know in my life, and and I was you know from you know just past you know and religious experiences and all that kind of stuff. I'm thinking, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna get the hammer down on my head, man. You know, for all these things I'm doing wrong. But it wasn't like that at all, and it and it's been it's been this 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 work through. Of um, you know of, of great things, so I, yeah, I encourage anybody to to do it. Absolutely.
0: Well, Mike, thank you for sharing today. Honestly, it's cool for me just just the friendship, seeing what God's doing in your life. Thanks for sharing. So let's give Mike a hand, you know, just for coming up today. You did great, brother. Right. And I'll see you tomorrow morning. All right. You know, we, we've been talking about this, this passage in 2 Corinthians, um, you know, chapter 13, where Paul writes, examine yourself. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. And I shared this with you last week, but I do want to read it again, because, you know, the message translation, it just has a way of turning a phrase sometimes Test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. And if you fail the test, do something about it. I love the absolute practical wisdom of it when so many of us get paralyzed in our relationship with guys. Just just, do, come on, let's go, right? Here's what you do. It's an invitation of God to you, whether you've been a Christian your your whole life, as long as you can remember. Or you're here today and you're like, "I, I, I don't know if I am or even if I want to be. It's what God's inviting you to. And for those of us who do call ourselves Christian, I just kind of want to encourage you that there really are three kinds of people in this world. And the divide is not like Christian, not Christian. There's those who ignore what God says, those who listen to what God says, and those who do what God says. And Jesus is always inviting us to be the latter. You know, the, the, the path of discipleship that he invites us to you know, this, this way of life that he invites us into. You know, Acts 2, you know, I've shared this with you. as just a great way of putting it. It says this, and read it with me. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions in goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, Those who are being saved. It's a a picture, if you will, if you will, a summary of what, what the life of Christ looks like. What Jesus invites us into. And last week we talked about the importance that you can see in this passage of connecting. Of connecting with Christ's body, his people. And all the spiritual good and intimacy with God that comes out of it. today I'm going to focus on a different angle. It's what we think and believe. The way we perceive life and reality, our world view, our understanding about God and how he works and what is true and what is not about him and about us. I want to talk about our faith, not as an act that we do, but our faith in terms of what we believe today. Because God invites us to come to him and have our minds renewed. Because how you think about God, what you believe about God, guys, it's going to affect everything. Look at it in this picture here, if you will. How they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It's what Jesus invites you to. How they devoted themselves to prayer. How they were filled with awe before God. Their understanding, the revelation of who God is. Seeing more clearly beyond the veil of who he truly is and what he's truly like and what he's truly up to. And witnessing the many wonders and miraculous signs even being done by the apostles. How every day they continue to devote themselves and meet together in the temple courts for learning, for understanding, for hearing about God, for for embracing the message of God. It's what he invites you into. And so today, I want you to take this as as a template and examine yourself. I want to invite you to rise. Band, you can make your way up. And we're going to commune. And of course, even with communion, the scriptures say, examine yourself. So use this moment for you and God just to do a faith checkup. Examine yourselves, if you will, to quote the language. I'm going to ask you some questions drawn from this passage. Just be honest with God in it. And if you're thriving in this question, don't deny it. Don't play falsely humble. No, no, rejoice in it before God who is doing something in your life. And, And in those areas where you go, I've neglected this. I've ignored this. I've despised this. I've turned my back. God just invites you in this checkup to realize that. And to turn back to him in it. So take a deep breath. Carve out your little space with him. Make this an act of prayer and meditation. And let's see where it goes. How would you answer these questions? I know God better today than I did a year ago. I'm growing in my knowledge of the Bible. I'm memorizing parts of the Bible. I'm learning more about Christian beliefs and God's worldview. I pray daily. I'm using the resources available to me in the 21st century to learn more about the way of God. I read, or listen to, or recall by memory the Bible three or more times a week. I practice faith training or some other devotional practice. go. Praise God where it's going well, where you've answered yes. Seek God and turn to him and and, and recommit to God in the areas where you've said no or I'm not sure. And wherever you're at, God's going to meet you in that place because we're all weak and we're all strong in various ways. God's going to meet you in that place. And if you're willing, he's going to partner with you there and work in your life to do something amazing in your relationship with him. But trust him in that. and take that step today.